Up next, right here on Spreaker, it's your boy, the governor of Minnesota. Sports talk, that is. The big smooth Vince Wright coming to you live with sports done right. Keep it locked. It's about time you got it right. Up next, it's your boy, the big, smooth Vince Wright, broadcasting live from the Sportstacular Governor's Mansion, the governor of sports talk, that is, and he's got your ticket to all the latest sports-related news, events, and hot topics. Are you ready to get it right? Sports Done Right, up next. Live from the office of Minnesota's number one sports authority, 
He's the governor of Sports Talk Radio, and by way of executive order, serving you a stimulating dose of sports done right. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Vince Wright, the sports governor from Minnesota, coming to you live and direct again. Another episode of Sports Done Right, live and direct from the Situation Room. I want to thank everybody for tuning in again, all the live listeners, everybody that's going to be in our chat room tonight, and everybody who has already hit me up. Let me tell you something. I appreciate all the love the show's been getting here. We're up over, we're going to be approaching 12,000 listens here on Spreaker.com, so definitely give it up for that. And lots of good news coming forward, and tonight, you know, we're going to kind of get to this man right away here because um, there's, there's lots of good boxing stories, lots of good boxing knowledge. He's also a trainer himself. He's a personal trainer as well, so he not only trains fighters and, and but he also does personal fitness so we're going to get to coach noy bramble here in just a moment a couple things i did want to touch on here and again you are listening to sports done right on spreaker.com and also make sure you're checking us out on x squad affiliates.com as well you'll get all the you know info on all of our shows not only sports done right my other show that i host with reggie lawrence that would be the sports and more show you also got kicking it with kesey you got uh, john fisher cooking with the microwave so um all kinds of good stuff spicy conversations for that late night action along with uh togo uganda's show the lonely hearts club or the lonely hearts cafe as well so definitely make sure you're checking out the x squad affiliates and man Big things coming, big things coming. So again, appreciate everybody tuning in. Make sure you follow me, Vince Wright, at the Big Smooth One. That's the number one. And also make sure you're following us on Facebook. That's the Sports Done Right Facebook page. So go over there, request to be added, and we'll make sure you get in there and you know, get in there, chop it up with us, put in all kinds of articles, do whatever you gotta do, and join the crew, man. So uh want to say what's up to my mother reese bell already in the chat room tonight so i want to say what's up to my mom and dad um my dad's a big boxing fan so this is going to be a real fun interview for him as well and want to give a special shout out to john fisher who uh, adjusted his schedule as well so we could do this wonderful interview uh with my guests so um with that being said what we are going to do very, very quickly here is um, we're just going to do a real quick station break. We'll be back in 30 seconds with Coach Noy Bramble. He is the son of former IBF lightweight champion or IBF. I may be wrong on that, but uh, let's say former lightweight champion of the world, Livingston Bramble. And as you boxing fans know, Livingston Bramble came along and demolished Ray Boom Boom Mancini and as a four to one underdog, by the way. And that was not expected, but boy, he really put it on him. So let's do this. We will be right back here in one minute, and we're going to have the coach with us. And we're going to start uh, learning not only about his, his famous father, but what it was like for him growing up with a famous father in the world of boxing, being around all these fighters as he's kind of coming of age, and now as he's making his own trails as a trainer uh, in, the, in the game itself kind of where he's looking to go with his career in the sport. So, folks, thanks for hanging out, joining us. We will be right back right after this break. 
No tricks in 86. It's time to build. Check out the Doug Stewart Show Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Time right here on the Stewart Media and Entertainment Network. It's sports talk. It's guy talk. It's fun talk. Once again, that's the Doug Stewart Show. One half of the world-famous Two Live Stews, Doug Stewart. Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Time at StewartMediaAndEntertainment.com. Trust me. You'll have more fun than you can shake a stick at. And I got one question for you. Are you not entertained, huh? Hello, Stu Nation. I am Vince Wright, the sports governor. I am the co-host of the Sports and More Show. Make sure you tune in every Friday on the Stewart Media and Entertainment Network at 12 noon to check me out and, of course, my co-host, Reggie Lawrence. What's up, everybody? I'm Reggie Lawrence, a.k.a. Dollars and Cents. The other half of the Sports and More show. But the only difference is I'm much smarter and better looking than my main man, Vince Wright. But like Vince said, make sure you check us out every Friday on the SME Network. Peace. The number one cheap rocket jersey firm. Lonely Hearts Cafe. Spicy conversations. Vince Wright, the sports governor from Minnesota. Man, Jelly Young. Microwave. Reggie Long, aka Dollars and Cent. Kicking it with you. Let's go. Give it to you. The people have spoken, and no matter how it goes down, your sports talk, it's going to be all right. So forget the GOP, the DNC, the only party in town is at the Governor's Mansion. The Governor of Sports Talk, that is. Every Tuesday night right here on Spreaker, come on over and get your sports done right. Now let's get back to the show with the big, smooth Vince Wright. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Vince Wright, the sports governor, sports done right on the Stewart Media and Entertainment Network. Thank you for checking me out. Uh, big ups to Doug Stewart. Glad he is back in the mix this week and glad to be on the network. So with that being said, people, I would like to welcome my very special guest tonight. And again, he is the son of former lightweight champion Livingston Bramble. Making his own way in the boxing world and the fitness training world. He uh, does big things. Check out the website, CardioKings.com. And especially if you're in the Vegas area, check his gym out there. Big things happening. So with that being said, let me introduce the one and only coach, Noy Bramble. Noy Bramble, thank you for joining us tonight. Hey, man, thank you very much for having me. I, uh, it's really a pleasure to be here, man, and, and you know, uh, talk to the people and talk boxing, the sport that I grew up in and the sport that I love, and it runs through my veins. So I'm ready to get into it, man. Yeah, absolutely. And again, thank you for joining us. Now, folks, just to kind of give you the backdrop here, uh, I had the pleasure of talking with Coach a couple, about a week and a half ago on a Friday night. And, and the coach is located, as we said, out in Vegas, so it was a late-night call for me. And I was on the phone to 1 in the morning, you know, just chopping it up with this gentleman. And, it's you know, those two hours went by like it was literally 15 minutes. So we're going to have a lot of fun. He's going to share some fun stories with us tonight. So with that, let's get started now. Coach, obviously we're going to talk about your father here and everything, but 
Before we get started here, let me just touch on the gym that you're working at right now, Cardio Kings. Why don't you tell the people a little bit about that and what you do there? All right. So Cardio Kings Fitness Boxing is the name of my company. Um, essentially, I'm, I'm one of those guys who I travel all around here in Vegas, and I have a home gym that I use, but I also use other people's gyms. And the concept is train like a fighter without taking the punches. I want everyone in my class to feel good. I want them to feel comfortable. I want them to set goals and actually get to them and, and you know, feel good about, you know, reaching your goals. Um, that's kind of what Cardio Kings is all about. Uh, it got started from a friend of mine who, who passed away, who didn't get a chance to see some of the things that we talked about doing. And um, every time I do something in, in, in involved in around Cardio Kings, he's right there with me. So, um, that's a little of the background with Cardio Kings Fitness Boxing and what's going on with me. Nice, nice. Now, to kind of jump back to the beginning, Noy, talk a little bit about your father here. As we, as we have obviously said, former lightweight champion of the world, how old were you when you first realized that your dad was who he was? It happened at an early age because um, my, my dad was – probably one of the few people who, you know, had a Saab 900S, you know, little things like that. And, you know, you notice the kids looking and you start noticing people looking at your dad and, and wondering uh, exactly what it is. So I want to say that happened when you start going to school. So, you know, kindergarten, first grade, um, you knew, you know, I knew my dad was something. Obviously, I knew he boxed. I'd been, with right. the, I'd been in the gym with him but you don't really realize how important, how um, monumental of a feat that he, that he did until later on, until, you know, even, even today, some things that he tells me now, it's like, oh, wow, you did that. Oh, okay, kudos, Dad. That's what's happening, you know? So, um, <laughs> exactly, nice. Yeah. Now, let me ask you, uh, what type of father was Livingston coming up? You know, obviously, he, he's a boxer, a very different career than most fathers out there. But, you know, what was he like, you know, growing up, just being dad to you? You know, being dad to me, was, it was crazy because I did everything with my dad. You know, wherever he went, I went. If he was at, you know, depending on the age, you know, if he was at a, at a um, training camp, I went with him. If I wasn't in school, I was there. When he had a fight, I would, you know, if it'd be a week or maybe three days, four days, some stuff like that, I was there all the time. So, right. you know, our relationship, our bond, it really goes back as far as literally the, the, the time that I was born. You know, it's just I've always been around him. He's always been around me. We've always been around each other. Um, and just, you know, I, I was his right-hand man when it comes to what was going on. I was sometimes the eyes for um, – I was the eyes in certain situations where there may have been other people around who didn't see certain things that I saw. Um, you know, when I got a little older and I started to speak up a little bit more about certain things that I may have seen going on in the corner that I didn't like, um, you know, I had the authority and I had enough respect to where what I said, you know, it went, it, you know, my voice was heard. Nice. Nice. And folks, again, we're out here with coach Noy Bramble. He is the owner and uh, main guy out at Cardio Kings gym in Vegas, Son of former lightweight champion Livingston Bramble, and we're talking about his upbringing with his famous father. Now, Noy, let me ask you this, my man. Um, 
you know, as you're coming up here and, and your father trains, why don't you tell us kind of before the Mancini fights happen, tell why don't you share with uh, my audience what type of fighter your father was? Because he was, you know, he had only lost one fight up until, the, you know, he met Mancini for the championship. So why don't you tell the, the folks out there what type of fighter Pops was? Being at, the, being at the age that I was, I can tell you this, and this is from having conversations with him recently. Um, I knew my father was a very tough and determined fighter. Um, with the 1980 Olympics being boycotted, um, with him not having the silver spoon, he never got the plateau to, let's say, get the easy fights. Um, he, he didn't get those opportunities. Every opponent he faced prior, I mean, even even after that, every opponent he faced, there was no walkover. There was no stepping stone. They, He was in the ring, and he was fighting for everything that he had and fighting for everything that he wanted. So, uh, you know, it, it, it does something to you as a fighter. It makes you very, very hungry. It makes you, oh, they brought me in here because they think this guy's going to beat me. No, I'm going to destroy him. One of my father's proudest moments is when he fought Kenny Bugner. And if you look at the record and you look at the, anybody from that era knows what the path of what they wanted for Kenny Bugner, Kenny Bang Bang Bugner, right. you know, my dad really wasn't supposed to win that fight. And that's, that's a lot of his career. He wasn't necessarily supposed to, he wasn't necessarily supposed to make it where he did. You know, it, it wasn't really supposed to be like that. And he just kept overcoming obstacles and, and, and beating the odds. Now, your tough, father... Tough, determined fighter. Absolutely. Totally agree with that. Now, your father's from the Caribbean. Why don't you tell your folks where the family uh, comes from down there? My father is uh, from St. Kitts in the British West Indies. And um, he was born during the hurricane, Hurricane Donna. Anybody from the West Indies or anybody who's been in the Caribbean understands hurricanes and uh, oh, yes. The story I was told is he almost died that night, or you know his, his body turned blue. He essentially so, um, you know. And from there, my uh, my grandparents they migrated from there to St. Croix in the U.S. Virgin Islands. Better job opportunity. My grandfather used to work for the uh, the oil refinery, which was Hess, which was on the island, and that's kind of how everybody went from St. Kitts to you know um, St. Croix in the U.S. Virgin Islands. Nice. Now, where did uh, your father, when he came to the States and really started pursuing his boxing career, where did he uh, reside at? Because uh, didn't he live up uh, up in uh, New Jersey? Oh, yeah, man. Passaic, New Jersey. That's oh, where yes. I was born. Passaic General Hospital. Um, coming up in those times, he would always tell you, um, you know, Passaic Patterson, especially Patterson, those areas was rough. You really, that was an introduction for him in a different lifestyle coming from the Caribbean um, you know, anybody from the Caribbean, uh, it wasn't cool to be from the Caribbean in those times, you know, especially being young and, and, and just, you know, you're, you're not doing the typical thing, what everybody else is doing. So, uh, you know, there were fights, there was a lot of things that went down. There's a lot of guys in the gyms. It, it's a lot of competition, a lot, a lot of good competition. Um, and you know, my dad, he, he linked up with his trainer, whose name is Jeff West. My dad loves that trainer to this day because he's the one who really taught him the style and and okay. and you know perfected the punches and and told him about the jab and those things. And from there, that's where it happened. 
Nice, nice. Now, kind of jumping around again, and folks, again, we got Coach Noy Bramble with us. CardioKings.com is the website. If you're in the Vegas area, make sure you check the, check his gym out. Son of former lightweight champion Livingston Bramble, and we're kind of talking about his upbringing and, and his relationship with his father coming up. Now, Noy, one of the things that I also wanted to touch on as well is – when what was it like watching your father train when you kind of got to that age and you could understand what was going on what was it like to watch your father work out and what were his workouts like man um i'm gonna tell you initially it was you know um that you would say you know no i'm going to the gym okay boom i get myself i go to the gym and i would do workouts and stuff like that uh but at first, at first it was boring, you know, I wanted to play, I wanted okay. to, I wanted to, you know, I wanted to do things like that, but I was in the gym and I had to learn like, okay, if you're going to be here, you're going to do something. So you're either going to like help me put my gloves on, you know, you're going to train yourself. And, okay. um, so after that, you know, after the initial being bored, I would say you start watching fighters and you watch, I'm watching my dad train and I'm watching Saul Mambi train and I'm watching Terrence Ali train. And, right. you know, these guys are arguing and yelling and, you know, essentially the boxing gym is kind of like the barbershop in the sense of, you know, you're hearing all of these things. So now as a really young kid, now it's like, okay, this place is kind of cool. I probably shouldn't be here at some of this stuff, but it's okay. <laughs> I'm all right. We'll, we'll, we'll make it do. And, um, you know, that's kind of, that's kind of how it was. And watching him train, my dad was a hard worker. He's always been a hard worker. That, that's one thing, no matter what. I mean, later in his career, obviously, um, you wouldn't necessarily notice that. That's typically what you see with a lot of fighters. But right. one of the things that my father prides himself on, and I'm so you know happy just to have experienced it, is that he never took days off in the gym. He worked hard, and I can't emphasize that enough. And I'm not talking about, you know, whether it be uh, – 20 rounds on a heavy bag. I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about if you're going to do five rounds on a heavy bag, you're going to do five real hard, tough rounds on a heavy bag, not just fluff and pat the bag a couple of times and take your break. He treated that heavy bag like it was a fight. That I do remember. Absolutely. And there are a lot of fighters that were there, you know, in my opinion, a little intimidated by your father. Now, you know, his first fight back in 1980, Jesus Serrano, he winds up fighting him a couple times. You know, not not a bad fighter. Did some research on him for back in the day. You've already talked about Kenny Bogner. Um, you know, as where he's working his way up, he becomes twenty and one, and he gets this shot finally at at the time the Golden Boy. You know, excuse the pun, but Ray Boom Boom Mancini. So, if you could share with our audience here what your father has shared with you about the build up to that fight. You know, what was his training like? What did he use to focus in on Boom Boom? Because, again, he was a 4-1 to underdog and obviously pulled off the upset. I'm, uh, but before we get to that, I just want to say one thing. Go right um, ahead. If you look at the fighters that he fought, remember, I want to say maybe in my dad's 10th pro fight or 9th or 8th pro fight or somewhere along the way. You know, I, I could be mistaken, but I know it's early on in his career. The guys that he's fighting, some of them have already gone 10 rounds. Some of these guys were, you know, uh, maybe if not runners up in the Olympics, maybe this guy won the Nationals or something like that. So you have to put it in the proper perspective of if my dad has six fights and this guy had 10, 12, or 14, or 17, you know, looking at it on paper, 
he wasn't supposed to win. So, you know, touching back on that, that was almost, I say all that to say, by the time you get to Mancini, you're not just a regular 21 because you fought guys who you weren't to technically, they said you're not supposed to win. Kenny you're not Bogner. supposed to be fighting this guy fresh yep. out of you. So you're more than seasoned. You know what I mean? Like you're ready to go. What Absolutely. is Mancini going to present to you that you haven't seen already? You have not been seen fighting? before, yep. Exactly. You know, not saying it's going to be easy. Um, and, and getting back into that, what my dad told me, um, one of the things he said was he dedicated rounds to certain members in his family. Uh, he dedicated oh, okay. rounds to me um, as inspiration, you know, to keep going. He knew his style was going to keep him safe. A lot of the stuff about Dooku Kim, a lot of the, you know, a lot of those things and, you know, the fighting in Buffalo, being a, 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 a West Indian, not let alone you're black, but you're from the West Indies. You're fighting in Buffalo. You're fighting the, the <laughs> you know, yeah. the number one guy, uh, the lightweight <laughs> champion of the world. His dad was a, a war veteran, you know, war hero. And this is what you're going up against. I mean, this is, this, this is a, a different time, to say the least. Um, and he... he probably use all of that as inspiration. I know um, if you ask him, he, he would say he was not going to lose that night. That, it, that wasn't even, unless he would have been ran over with a Mack truck or something along those lines, he was not losing that fight. It right. wasn't going to happen. Very his good point. And his preparation was just too good for that. Yeah, that's a very good point, Noy. And again, we got Coach Noy Bramble here. Uh, Sports Done Right on Spreaker.com. Also, you can find us on XSquadAffiliates.com. And I'm the sports governor, Vince Wright. Now, you know, when you touched on those fighters and you said your dad had already fought these seasoned fighters, and I'm going through the record here, and that's a very good point because it gives your dad the experience that he needed probably at a a younger age to finally get that, not only get the title shot, but to actually pull it off. You know, he fought... You know, we talked about Kenny Bogner. You know, he had already had 11 fights under his belt. Uh, Jerome Artis was 24-8-4 and four when he fought your dad. Yes. Um, Look at Jer- that. 24-8-4. Eight eight that's, 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 you don't see that nowadays, man. Exactly. And your father won a unanimous decision over that. You know, also, we got, uh, let's see here, uh, James. And I hope I do this last name justice. Basimi. He was 30-4. Uh, and four. And your father also fought Gaten Hart, who had 52 wins, 24 losses, and four draws. So your Those father, are the guys that hurt you the most. Exactly. Those are the guys that hurt you the most. Yeah, very good point. Very good point. And so with that being said, your father not, not only had a leg up, uh, Coach, in my opinion, he had two legs up. And, you know, no disrespect to, to Boom Boom Mancini, but, you know, he may have taken your father a little lightly, but, boy, your dad sure was ready for him, and these fights prove it, man. I mean, uh, Tom Crowley, he was 14-13-0, you know, so he had more than 20 fights in the bag when he fought your dad. Yep. Exactly. It's, it's, it's one of those things that you appreciate, and I'm going to be 100% honest with you, it wasn't until maybe within the past two or three months where, you know, we just, we just ended up, me and my dad were just talking about boxing, and he's kind of breaking this stuff down to me, and then, you know, I just kind of jump out of my skin for a second. And I'm like paying attention to what he's saying. And I'm like, oh, okay. 
now it makes sense. Now I know why you feel the way that you feel when it comes to, you know, you, you kind of watch guys with the silver spoon or right. maybe you feel a little bit slighted because you had to really, really fight and work hard just to get to that point. You, they, like I said, there was no, there was no pushovers. There was no, uh, you know, as they say, guaranteed wins or cakewalks. I mean, maybe one or two if you really look at the record and maybe, you know, someone who from that era knows the legitimacy of all of these guys. But I know, I know there was no easy walk. And I know everything after that um, wasn't easy because then I was, you know, starting to get a little older and I saw what was happening. You know, I kind of understood right. what was going on. Yeah, there. you started so learning the game yourself. Easy. Absolutely. Didn't mean to interrupt you there, brother. Now, uh, just before we continue here, I want to give a shout out to everybody in the chat room here. Uh, we got Busa in the house. Broncos boy has definitely joined us. Got my mom, as I said earlier, the Bama boy 334 is up in here as well. So I appreciate everybody stopping by here and uh, definitely taking a listen to Sports Done Right on Spreaker.com. Now, Coach, let me ask you, um, because I, I, like I said, you know, I've been getting questions uh, tweeted to me and sent to me when I finally let people know that you were a go and we were going to do this interview. So this comes from a member of the Stu Nation here, uh, Ronald Cameron. He is a boxing historian. He also writes a boxing blog. And, I, and Ron, please send me the name of that so I can do a better job of promoting that next time. But his first question is, your father was one of the few fighters who could fight Southpaw and right-handed very effectively. Marvin Hagler may have been the best ever at switching up. Um, who does Livingston Bramble pattern his career after, if anyone? You know, that's a funny question because um, it's a good question. I mean, my whole entire childhood coming up listening to my dad talk boxing with all different type of people, uh, I don't even remember a time someone asked him that question or even seen it in any kind of print, any kind of, um, any kind of print. Unfortunately, I'm going to have to get with him and find out who that was. But I, sure. but what I will say is I never heard him mention other fighters. You know, okay. he had a, an immense respect for Muhammad Ali. He had, a, you know, immense respect for, you know, Joe Lewis and the, the, the Sugar Ray uh, Robinsons and the, you know, Emil, Emil Griffith. Um, but I never mentioned him. I never heard him say, uh, you know, this guy was my favorite fighter. That guy was my favorite fighter. I think my dad was really just one of those guys who got into boxing as a way to uh, get out of the situation that he was in. And because right. his style wasn't necessarily patterned after anybody. I don't, I, I don't know. To, to me, looking at him and knowing and living with him, I can't, I, I, I wouldn't know. I don't think he, necessarily looked at anybody you know me coming up i looked at some of the things he did i saw you know some of the stuff mike tyson did i saw what pernell whitaker did you know and uh we've never had conversations like that okay very interesting now if uh ron has a final follow-up question here he says i remember the mancini camp complained to the wba after the first fight they believed your father was taking illegal drugs but it turned out to be cold medicine cold medicine Bramble whipped him again in the rematch, but my question is, did your father and Boom Boom bury the hatchet after the second fight? Honestly, I don't think so. Um, it's it's kind of unfortunate. They did they actually did something together within the past two, maybe two or three years. It was like an autograph signing or something like that. Um, I think to this day, Ray still thinks he won the second fight. 
This is my personal opinion from things okay. that I've heard from him doing his book signings and whatnot. And he doesn't necessarily like to talk about that particular fight, the first one or the second one. Um, you know, I would like to meet him one day because I would like to sit down and talk to him because that fight changed my life. Um, yeah. You know, uh, I, I, I would like to think that they're okay, but I really feel that because of the things that my father said, a lot of those things, I don't think Ray has maybe necessarily got over some of those things, but I could be wrong. But the vibe that I get is no. That's that's what I'll say. The vibe that I get is no. Okay. And again, folks, Coach Noy Bramble is here with us on Sports Done Right. Now, leading up to that fight, and, and the boxing fans know, and we talked about this in our previous conversation, Coach, you know, Ray Mancini obviously had the Dooku Kim fight. And for folks who aren't familiar with that, Ray Mancini after, uh, won a very, very pitch battle with the South Korean fighter Dooku Kim. Unfortunately, Dooku Kim wound up passing away after this fight. And I wanted to know, did that play any part in your father's training for his first fight with Boom Boom Mancini? Not to say that he so. was worried or anything like that, but did he think about it? I don't think he thought about it. I don't think he thought about it to the point where um, it was going to affect him. You know, I would I I would assume any human being going into a fight knowing that the person you're fighting, uh, a person has just died, um, it would probably play in your mind. But my dad was mad. He was he was meant. He, you couldn't go into a fight like that, um, that magnitude without being mentally strong. Outside of physically strong, you couldn't go into it not being mentally strong. And I know that overrode any other thing that could have potentially entered into that. My father has very strong beliefs. You know, he's a Rastafarian, very right. strong belief system. So, you know, you hold certain things close to you and you don't let anything else get in there. And I know that's what he did. That's the only way he could have done that to be successful. If he was worried about what happened in the Duke and Kim fight, he wouldn't have made, he wouldn't have last. He wouldn't have last at all. Yeah. That's a very good thing. Cause I guess as a fighter, you can't let thoughts like that in, into your, you, you know, your thought process because it'll take you off of your game and just, you know, really, really wind up maybe causing you some damage in the ring as well. Um, Coach, before we continue with you, and again, Coach Noy Bramble joining us on Sports Done Right. I am the sports governor, Vince Wright. I want to say what up to a couple more participants out here in the chat room or the House of Representatives, as the sports governor likes to say. First off, he is the godfather of the Real Cast crew. He's really the godfather of everybody who's doing podcasting here on Spreaker. You know, outside of Doug Stewart, the Jungle Brothers, the one who started me and literally started everybody you listen to on the SME network. So definitely got to give it up for you, Jungle Brother, what's happening. And also, I've got to give it up for the other real cast ranger. He is the host of the Underground Railroad show. My main man out on the golf course, it looked like here at his family reunion. And I definitely want to say what up to my main man, that ninja. So what's happening, ninja? And the one and only, um, we got to get the proper introduction in here for this gentleman. He is the Tom Brady loving, uh, Tom Brady nut hugging uh, Patriot fan from the, <laughs> yeah, growing up in Cape Cod. There, annoyed. You got to give it up for Grego, Greg Finney, who now lives in Atlanta, GA, as well. So, what up, Grego? 
All right, let's get back to our man here. Uh, we get again, Coach Noy. And Coach, before we move on to Cardio Kings and what you're doing here, let's talk about after these two Mancini fight. Or actually, we talked about the first because the first, there was no doubt. I put that on uh, the Sports Done Right Facebook page for folks who want to check that out. Livingston Bramble really put it to Mancini. I don't think Mancini was the same fighter after that fight, to be perfectly honest with you. And real quick, let's touch on the rematch here. Has your dad told you, did anything change in his training for the rematch? He's the champ now. You know, from, from, from his mindset, what we've talked about, I don't really think anything necessarily changed as far as preparation. I mean, obviously now you've won and, you know, there's things like that going on. But um, one thing he did, which he always will tell me, there's two things about Ray Messina. He will always say, no matter when you ask him, no matter what it is. Number one, he says he would have knocked him out in the second fight, but his shoes, his boxing boots that he had, I want to say the, the sole was causing him to slip. So he couldn't land the punches or deliver them with the same power that he did in the first fight. So that's sure. number one. And number two, um, what he said about that second fighter, just Ray Mancini in general, is that he says Ray Mancini is a, is a better man than me in this regard. Um, Ray took a lot of punches those fights. The yes, first he did. And yes. the second fight. Yes, and I mean, did. a lot of solid punches. My, my dad wasn't a pity pat type of fighter. He, he could hurt you. And he said there's no way he would have been able to withstand that amount of punishment and still keep going. So he has a lot of respect for Ray Mancini, the utmost respect for just that. Because, you know, you're in the ring. You, you, when you're in that environment, you know what the other person is. You know the other person better than that person's wife knows them or their, their family. Like, it's just you and them. You, you know that person. And, you know, that moment right there, it's really a test of will. And, you know, he gives Mancini a lot of credit for just continuing the fight. Keep yeah. Going. Well, that's that's shows how much of uh, respect that your father had for him. Now, as we move beyond this Mancini era, the the two fights there, you know, let's share that your father over the course of his career, you know, your dad fought a lot of famous fighters. You know, we got Buddy McGird out there. Your dad fought Costa Zoo. Your dad fought uh, Rafael Ruelas, Roger Mayweather. I mean, you know, did did he have, did he ever talk about the Roger Mayweather fight? Can you share some info with my fans on that one? Yeah, man, I've been there for all the fights. Uh, let's mention Obacar. Obacar was, oh yeah, the, the Obacar I guess you would fight. say the first round draft pick in a sense. If you're looking at boxing, he was he was one of those guys. Emmanuel Stewart, you know, he was coming from the crime gym. Um, in the Roger Mayweather fight, I was there for that. The preparation, we was here uh, in Vegas at the time. And there were a lot of spies, man. Um, you know, people who don't know, um, you don't just go to the gym, train, and then go fight. You know, there's, if you don't own your own gym, which a lot of guys don't necessarily own their own gym, or if you're not right. making uh, X amount of million dollars to block out that time slot for the gym, like, you know, Tyson would have, Tyson used to do, uh, you know, you're in the gym. There are a lot of guys in there, a lot of spies, or a lot of tricks of the trade, you know, calling the fighters, you know, hotel room at 2 in the morning, sending women to his room, oh, yes. uh, just, you know, little things like that. Um, I think my father was well prepared for that fight. And out of all the fights that I've seen with him, all the fights that, you know, I've been to, I've been to pretty much all of them, Roger just outboxed. 
that's pretty much what it boils down to. And, and he, he's another person that has a lot of respect for my dad. And my, my dad will always say he learned a lot from that Roger Mayweather fight. Roger's plan was to not get hit with the right hand um, because he knew if he got hit, he was probably going to go down. And right. he stayed away from it, and he, he put my father in, in the right angles to where he was never able to get off the way that he wanted to. And, you know, that was that. He got hit with a shot on the side of his ear, kind of like behind the head almost. Um, he said he'd never been hit like that before uh, in just regards to the location of the punch. Um, kind of never – it's one of those equilibrium shots where it kind of just right. throws everything off. I think that might have been in the fifth or sixth round maybe. Uh, comes back to the corner, goes back out. I think is what happened in Jenks Morton, who used to work with Sugar Ray Leonard, and kind of seeing that my father still wasn't, uh, still ha- wasn't gathered and called the fight. That's the way that went down. I love Jenks for that because a lot of trainers would have just let him go all ten rounds, and he wasn't on. He wasn't like I said, it's an equilibrium shot. So I love Jenks for that. Yeah, that's good to hear because you know sometimes, you know, we see the sad end of boxing. We just talked about Duku Kim. You know, Gerald McClellan, you know, who we talked about a little bit when we were talking a few couple weeks ago. And, you know, we don't want to see boxers in that condition. And sometimes, it, you know, you got to make the call. And, uh, you know, as they said in Rocky, throw the damn towel. But before we move on, um, one other thing that I wanted to ask you about your father here. And the thing that folks and for everybody listening out here, this is why I really love this brother and and really glad that I reached out to him and and we started talking. Coach Noy is very real and very honest about the game of boxing. So with that being said, Coach, what was it like for your dad on the tail end of his career? The victories aren't coming. He's still fighting. What was that like as, you know, he kind of got towards the end of his career? Oh, man. Um, You know, I'll try to to give you a few different perspectives. Obviously, I can't, you know, speak for him. I can just tell you everything I saw being, you know, chief chief second. Um, There were some times that were good, and there were some times that weren't necessarily so good. He's always told me that. He's always told me that he should have retired after a Mancini fight because he knew he was never going to be that good. You know, that was, that was his best uh, everything, you know, shape, condition, mentally, everything. Um, touching on the Rosario fight, um, uh, you know, I don't know how many people know this or whatever they think. Hell, if I didn't know he was my dad, I'd probably think the same way. But um, he wasn't himself that night. And, you know, I don't want to say this as an excuse, but when you know, when you know yourself and you know the shape that you're in, if you go back and look at it, I actually, I want to say he may have won the first round if we're looking at the scores. Right. He got thumbed in the eye. And when my dad fought Edwin Correct, he fought Edwin Correct twice. And I want to say it happened the first time. My dad, like I said, moved to Pacific, New Jersey, was in Patterson. Anybody who knows that area in the 80s, hell, even today, knows what that area is all about. Somebody hits right. you, you're going to hit them back. If they spit on you, you're going to spit back on them. And the Edwin Correct fight, he gets hit low. He takes a break, comes back. He comes back and hits Edwin Correct low. So I paint that picture to say this is who my dad was. And he gets thumbed in the eye in the Rosario fight in the second round, and he freezes. He freezes. 
He doesn't say, oh, man, this guy just stole me. I'm about to thumb him back. That's not what happened. There was a lot of things going on. Uh, Camacho was very, very aggravating to him for some weird reason because he didn't necessarily <laughs> okay. want to fight him, but he wanted to agitate him and pull his radio out when he was training and turn the lights off and make noise and just do all these kind of different things. And, you know, kudos to Edwin Rosario. Edwin Rosario is actually a fighter that I like after I got over the fact that, okay, this guy took my dad's championship, you know, as I right. got older. But I started watching his style. I like Rosario. But, you know, um, even one of the trainers that worked with my dad, I asked him, and this is probably two months ago, I said, what happened that night? And he said, your, your dad wasn't your dad that night. So in continuing, you know, answering your question, you, you get situations like that. If you're in your sport of boxing and you don't have a team, you don't have that support, you go through situations like that. You're dealing, you're your manager, you're your promoter, you're, you're arguing over purse, you're arguing over this, you're arguing over that, but then you still got to put food on your table for your kid. Absolutely. I mentioned this story to you before. Yeah. You uh, my sure dad did, fought yeah. in Rhode Island. He, he fought in Rhode Island. He fought a guy by the name of, uh, I think his name was Louis Vader or something like that, something along those lines. And you know, he was in all right shape, but he wasn't in the best shape, but he had a torn rotator cuff that he had had since he fought Tony, um, Tony Martin. Um, and it was never healed. It was never fixed. Ever since that day, my dad never threw a left hook. And I'm sitting in the room with him. And this is in the hotel room before we're going to the fight, same day of the fight. The doctor comes in and gives him a, a shot in the arm, you know, quarter zone or something like that so he can go out and fight because he could barely even really use that left hand. So now you've got a guy who's essentially one-handed who the type of fighter he is, he's not going to dance around the ring and, 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 you know, look good. And that's not his style. Fighting a, a younger, quote-unquote, up-and-coming type of guy. And, you know, I give my dad the most – it wasn't the smartest thing to do. You know, I wouldn't want that for anybody, but my dad had to put food on the table, you know. And that was the way that he did it. In this business, you can't call in sick. You know, it doesn't work right. like that. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, I give him the utmost respect, and I understand what he went through. Uh, he probably should have retired, you know, uh, way sooner than what he did, typical with most fighters. But I'm happy he made it out the score after giving so much to it, and you can still have a conversation with him. Uh, right. It's not going to be a mush-mouth situation to hear from a lot of fighters. Uh, he's he's, he's definitely Right, and so we were losing you a little bit on the phone there, Noah. Oh, sorry about that. I got a oh, plane no. flying over my house. I apologize. <laughs> no problem. No problem. So, Noah, let you know. Let's turn this towards you now. And you know, I appreciate all the things and info about your dad. Now, as you're coming of age here and you're figuring out your life, um, a couple things. If you can share a couple stories, because when we talked last time. You know, just being in the gym with some very famous fighters, if you can just share real quick a few of those fighters that you've been around in the gym and, and, and let the folks know. And also, did you at any point want to become a fighter yourself? So, uh, one of my, some of my fun experiences that I mentioned earlier, being around guys like Sal Mambi and Terrence Ali, who was a, a goofball, he was one of the funniest guys. Um, I was around the, the Charles, the Natural Murrays, the Al Ice Coles, the Ray Mercers, uh, Larry Holmes. My dad used to train in Larry Holmes' gym. Oh, yes. um, today, right now, you know, uh, I was before Sean Porter bought out this one gym. He used to go. I was in the, you know, in there with Sean Porter, Zab Judah, 
an up-and-coming kid who I, I really think, well, I know he's going to be a world champion. It's Devin the Dream Haney, um, you know. But just being being around boxing, you know, you, you, being around the fighters and listening to the stories and um, Icorte before he fought De La Hoya. Oh, loved Icorte um, back in the day, yeah. I love uh, Icorte. Was, was was a really good guy, man. Um, really good fighter. Um, man, all these fighters are flashing in front of my head, and I'm trying to pluck names. Um, Jenks Morton was a good guy. He was a trainer. If you if you look at any of Leonard's fights, Sugar and Leonard's fights, you'll see Jenks Morton there. He was a really, really good guy. Um, being in D.C., uh, you know, being around that crew. Um, and then myself, I fought amateur. Uh, you know, briefly, I was. I think this was in when well, my father fought Cusazu in Australia. I think they had just won the bid for the 2000 Olympics, and um, that was kind of one of the goals that we were discussing. It was like, oh, 2000 Olympics, okay, I'm going to go. And okay. uh, I tore my meniscus Ooh. and was put on crutches for eight weeks at the time. If I tore my meniscus today, I'd probably be in the gym in three days, the way technology is. Right. Um, and after that, I kind of never really got the, the steam to compete, um, really to take it to that level. I had fun going to the gym with my dad. I love beating people up. I never even, you know, I never had any... You know, I never had any issues. Uh, I just don't think I wanted it as much as I needed to want it in order to become champion. I don't think that that's what I want. I, I still like to do things that fighters shouldn't do. I wanted to party and, and you know, okay. be out till 4 in the morning and wake right. up, not even wake up, and then go and run. You know, I couldn't do that. Not in boxing. Exactly. Now, again, folks, thank you for listening to Sports Done right here on the Stewart Media and Entertainment Network. And we'll be right back after this quick five-second break. This is a podcast. And we got our main man, Coach Noy Bramble, in the house now. Uh, Coach Noy, we talked about you, and unfortunately, you you know, you figured it out pretty early on that boxing wasn't going to work for you. Now, you're, you're still in the game, however. You do boxing training. You do personal training. So let's share kind of what you're doing now. Um, before we get into any more fun boxing stories, tell the folks what you got going on now with Cardio Kings. All right. So Cardio Kings Fitness Boxing, you know, I want everybody to become royalty. That's the way that it works. Um, I've taken all of my years uh, just being raw, being around and involved in boxing, and I've tried to make boxing fun. Um, if you've gone to a boxing gym, if, if, unless you really, really love it, it can be very uh tedious because you're doing the same things every day you're you're right. doing the same punches and the same combinations and you really have to want it um so what i did was i said okay i'm going to take all the elements that i enjoy in boxing and i'm going to incorporate that with my second passion which is music and i'm going to you know come up with something and i'm going to put a, a program together for everybody if you're 12 if you're you know 29, 30, 40, 50, 60, nice. whatever. It doesn't matter. If you like music, you'll love my class. All right, and, that sounds good. you know, started off small, started off, you know, here and there, and uh, just little by little started building and growing. And, you know, that's that's how I got to where I am right now, just, just building and pushing it. Nice, nice. Now, let's talk about the boxing. Um, are you working with any current fighters now? Are you looking to, to, you know, kind of up your game and up your re- name recognition in the world of boxing trainers? Cause I mean, you're right in the would, heart would, of it in Vegas. 
I would love to do that. Um, the the boxing side of things, it's a crazy, uh, unregulated sport with a whole bunch of unwritten rules. Um, I've worked with a few kids here and there. There's one guy I'm trying to keep him in the gym. Every time he, uh, every time he thinks he has a fight, he shows up in the gym, and then if something doesn't go good, he disappears for a while. So you kind of oh, run okay. into those type of characters in boxing, but. Yeah, I would like to do that. I have one foot in the fitness world, one foot in the boxing world, and I have a pretty good, you know, pretty good name in both of them. And it's just building and building and continuing to go. Um, I have a style that I want to teach when it comes to boxing, <clears throat> but you got to have the right person. You got to have the right kid who's dedicated to that. Um, the knowledge I have, you can't buy it. You can't find it in any store. Right. So, uh, I definitely want to use it. I definitely want to find someone to push it, you know, and really bring it to the forefront and show people something different. There aren't many teachers in the sport of boxing. There's a lot of trainers, but there's not a lot of teachers. And I I know I'm one of the teachers. Well, good to hear. And folks, because I know we got a lot of people, a lot of student nation, a lot of Stewies down there in the Atlanta area. So, Noy, why don't you tell the folks, because you're trying to get down to them in Atlanta, GA. Yeah, man. Um, I do this thing, and you kind of we touched on it a little bit, but um, we do this thing called Royal Saturdays. And what we did is, you know, we were putting people together. We had a live DJ. We had a bunch of fun stuff going on. And I'm actually working right now on trying to come to Atlanta and get something set up. Um, I would like to do it the TDS weekend. Um, yeah, that'd be great. That would be the goal ultimately. So hopefully we can be down in Atlanta, and I can show the people in Atlanta what is exactly that I'm doing, uh, teach them a different style, someone who knows the sport, who's been in the sport all their life, and, you know, bring a little fun and excitement, uh, Las Vegas style, I guess you would say, to Atlanta. I think that'd be really fun. Yeah, and I hope that can happen, man, because that Doug Stewart weekend is going to be real fun and a perfect opportunity to get your name out there, too. So I hope that can happen. It'll be my first time in Atlanta, too, man. Hey, you know me, my wife, the the first lady, Angie Wright, who, by the way, I got to say what's up to. I forgot my uh, wife who is on vacation with our daughter over in Wisconsin Dells. So what up to the wonderful wife, Angie, my daughter, Sydney, and friends over there, and my brother-in-law, Jeff, who's probably out in his garage listening, uh, puffing on a heater, soon to quit, by the way, <laughs> since we got a trainer on uh, on the show here with us. But, uh, Coach, let me ask you this. Um, talk about the personal fitness side because you also do personal training. And, I, you know, first off, I respect your hustle. You know, you got to do what you got to do and whatnot. What do you like about or maybe don't like about personal training? Man, what I love about that side of it, um, instant instant gratification. Uh, okay. I've had, I've had um, you know, a, a celebrity client where I was going back and forth to L.A. That was a great experience for me. I loved it. When I have clients now who they set a goal, we get it, and the look that they have on their face, the the gratitude that they show, you know, you can't really put a dollar amount on that. And that's different from dealing with your typical fighters. You You can be the best trainer in the world. But if your fighter is stubborn, your fighter is just stubborn. You don't, he's not going to ever come up to you unless you win a championship and say, hey, thank you for, for doing this or thank you for doing that. On the fitness side of things, people, I want to say, appreciate the skills that you're teaching them a little bit more. So um, 
you know, I've really, really taken a liking to it. I just, I enjoy being in that element. Um, I get to, like I said, I get to incorporate music. I get to incorporate all of those different things that I love, all those other passions, the other passions that I have, and um, bring the best of the both worlds together. And that's what really, really is fun. I mean, the classes are great. I have fun in my classes, but when you when you buckle down on a one-on-one, some people can't handle one-on-one Coach North because it's work. I mean, there's no, oh, yeah. there's no slacking. There's no time to there's no time to waste. You can hide from me in the class. Maybe you might hide from me the first time, but I'm gonna catch you the second time. On the one on one, there's no hide. There's no place for you to run. Me and you. Exactly. And that's Coach Noy Bramble, my man out of Las Vegas. Cardiokings.com is the website. And if you're out there in the Vegas area, man, make sure you get over to Cardio Kings. Check them out. A uh, lot of lot of good things happening, some real good training, and um, you know, learn from a, a young up and comer, and that's our man, Coach Noy. And Coach is also going to be kind of our our point of contact here when we finally have some big fights happening. So, with that being said, Coach, what I would like to do, if you got a few more minutes, can we hang out for another segment with you? Yeah, man, I'm good. Let's do it. All right. All right. Let's do this, folks. We're going to take a very quick break here. We're going to play some drops. We'll be back in about two minutes with Coach Noy Bramble. We will ask him about today's fighters, some big fights that shouldn't or excuse me, should be made that haven't been made. And also we're going to I'm going to get his uh, thoughts on Deontay Wilder as well and the rest of the heavyweight division so folks make sure you hang out and we will be back and as chuck woolery would say two and two the number one chief rocket jersey firm lonely hearts cafe spicy conversations vince wright the sports governor from minnesota man jelly young Microwave! Reggie Long, a.k.a. Dollars and Tips. Kicking it with Let's go, give it to you! Hello, Student Nation. I am Vince Wright, the Sports Governor. I am the co-host of the Sports and More Show. Make sure you tune in every Friday on the Stewart Media and Entertainment Network at 12 noon to check me out and, of course, my co-host, Reggie Lawrence. What's up, everybody? I'm Reggie Lawrence, a.k.a. Dollars and Cents, the other half of the Sports and More Show. But the only difference is I'm much smarter and better looking than my main man, Vince Wright. But like Vince said, make sure you check us out every Friday on the SME Network. Peace. It's beach body season. So if you're looking to get that beach body, there's still time. With IASOT, the IASOT is a unique blend of nine all-natural herbs. Just eight ounces of tea twice daily can provide you with dramatic results and have you beach ready in no time. Place your order today at www.totallifechanges.com forward slash tea team. That's www.totallifechanges.com forward slash T-E-A-T-E-A-M or call Six seven eight two five zero five eight three nine. That's six seven eight two five zero five eight three nine. Start working on your beach body today. No tricks in eighty six. It's time to build. 
Check out the Doug Stewart Show Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Time right here on the Stewart Media and Entertainment Network. It's sports talk. It's guy talk. It's fun talk. Once again, that's the Doug Stewart Show. One half of the world-famous Two Live Stews, Doug Stewart. Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Time at StewartMediaAndEntertainment.com. Trust me. You'll have more fun than you can shake a stick at. And I got one question for you. Are you not entertained, huh? Hey, what's going on, everybody? Vince Wright, sports governor from Minnesota, and I am very happy to be on the Stewart Media and Entertainment Network. Make sure you're checking out my show, Sports Done Right. Wednesdays, me, Doug, kick it. People have spoken, and no matter how it goes down, your sports talk, it's going to be all right. So forget the GOP, the DNC, the only party in town is at the Governor's Mansion. The Governor of Sports Talk, that is. Every Tuesday night right here on Spreaker, come on over and get your sports done right. Now let's get back to the show with the big, smooth, fence right. All right, folks, thank you for hanging out with us tonight. Sports Done Right on Spreaker.com. The audience is definitely approved of the show. We got Coach Noy Bramble in the house. And, again, his father, Livingston Bramble, former lightweight champion of the world. All kinds of great boxing talk. And Coach Noy doing big things on his own. So, Coach, let's talk a little bit about the present-day boxing scene. Just want to get your personal opinions on some fighters here. So I don't know if you got a chance to watch the so-called heavyweight championship of the world last week. Our main man, Deontay <laughs> Wilder, against the ever plump. And look, I'm not one to talk. I'm a big marshmallow myself. But Chris Ariola, um, and he's, he even admitted he did not deserve this title shot, Coach. But, you know, we saw what happened there. It looked like Deontay actually wound up breaking his hand in this fight and also t- uh, had some uh, damage to his uh, bicep. But what did you think about the actual fight? I am ne- I have never been a Chris Ariola fan, so I'll wait till after you to get started on him. Oh man, um, I made a bet with some people, and they actually owe me some money because they told me they saw Chris Ariola in the grocery store and he was in shape, and I really wanted to curse him out because I don't know when Chris Ariola has ever been in shape. Um, they said he was going to come in under 240. I said, yeah, I'll take that bet 10 times in a row because I don't know when the last time he ever came in under 240. Um, you know, like like you said, I've never been a fan of Chris Ariola. Um, you know, he, he's had some minor success beating some contenders, but he's really not a heavyweight. In my personal opinion, he's one of those cruiserweights who really just doesn't want to get in shape. So, you know, that's that's kind of how I look at him. I don't know if he respects the sport like he should, and I kind of have a little bit of a problem with that. On the flip side, um, I mean, Deontay Wilder did what he was supposed to do. Uh, a little bit of the showboat stuff, that's probably just young fighting in your hometown. I heard the commentators, you know, one of the commentators I think, uh, Virgil Hunter, he wasn't too happy with that, but uh, you know it's 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 tough. He's he he's the heavyweight champion in the world right now, okay? And right. unfortunately, one of the things that isn't his fault is 
We don't have Evander Holyfield. We don't have Lennox Lewis's. We don't have, right. you know, your Riddick Bowles. We don't have your Ray Mercers. We don't have too many of the guys who are, let's say, you fight this guy before you fight for the world title. We don't, we don't have those guys in the division anymore. And that's not Deontay's fault. He can't control that. Um, you know, so because of that, this is what we're left with, unfortunately, in the heavyweight division. Has oh, he gotten yeah. better? Has he gotten better from his, you know, I don't know, X amount of years ago? Eh, maybe. Um, but who has he had in the who's, who's he been in the ring with to test him so we can see if he's gotten better? Nobody. I mean, you know, what he, I think he fought Stavern back in the day. That turned out to be a big bunk fight. Now, there is a name out there on the horizon that we talked about, and that is the IBF heavyweight champion, this kid from England, Anthony Joshua, who is kind of, I think, a little further along than Deontay, just in terms of his uh, talent level. So why don't you tell the folks about the IBF heavyweight champion from England, Anthony Joshua, because I think that this could be a fight that if it kind of plays out a little bit, can not put the heavyweights back to where they were, but it could be a start. You know, I really like Anthony Joshua. I, I like his pedigree. If I'm not mistaken, he won a gold medal in 2012. Right. Um, so, you know, when, when you do that and you've been to a few games, uh, you're seasoned better than the average guy. They're moving him. They're moving him correctly. They just put him in there with another guy who's a big six foot, you know, uh, you know, all right, you know, C plus type heavyweight, maybe B. Well, I won't even say B minus. I'm a harsh critic, so he's definitely C plus. Um, but I like what I see from him. I like his pause. I like that he he looks like a fighter. He didn't look like he's still necessarily learning how to, to throw punches, kind of like Deontay does sometimes. Deontay right. can get very wild still. He's a big kid, and sometimes his punches come round instead of straight. Um, and that's just me being, you know, super critical with a boxing eye. Um, but, yeah, I definitely like Anthony Joshua. I think if you're looking at heavyweights and you're looking for someone to, let's say, cheer, unfortunately, he's not American, and I know that that, you know, may play a part no, to a lot of sure. people. But um, I would look to him. I would definitely look him, and I would definitely follow him and see what's going on with him because he's pretty good in my opinion. I totally agree with that assessment. And Coach Noy Bramble here on Sports Done Right here on the Steward Media and Entertainment Network. Thank you for joining us. Now, I got a question from the chat room here. Our main man and my co-host on the Sports and More show has joined us, by the way. Got to give it up for dollars and cents. And he wants to know, because he's not that big of a boxing fan, Coach, but if you could talk a little bit about the corruption in boxing, how it's holding back the sport of boxing and, you know, just kind of your thoughts about how it's really just messed up the game. Oh, man. Um, first, let me say they're, they're, they're trying, to, they're trying to, to fix the wrong that they've been doing for the past 10 years, uh, maybe longer. Uh, well, yeah, probably longer. It's 2000. Yeah, maybe longer. It's a, it's a money thing, man. Unfortunately, money and politics override what we feel is right. Um, hey, Coach, can I throw another point out there also the, to yes. kind of piggyback on what you're saying? Because I always thought that the sanctioning bodies but outside of the IBF, which, you know, 
you know, headquartered in, in New Jersey. All the rest of them are international, you know, they're located internationally. And I always thought that that played a huge part in it because any type of boxing reforms or legislation, you know, they're in different countries. They're not necessarily going to be, um, you know, following the rules, so to speak. And I always thought, you know, we, Jose Suleiman for years, people would always say, you know, well, he was basically Don King's lap dog, you know. So what do you think about that? It, it, it just, it, it's, it's the underbelly of boxing, man. Um, certain weight divisions and what they're doing now is atrocious. Uh, you want to have one champion so people can recognize him. So people can say, this is the champion at this weight class. If you have three belts, w, I'm just going with the three who've been there the longest, WBA, mm-hmm. WBC, and IBF. Those are the ones. So you're looking to those guys. You ever notice that WBC always has a lot of Hispanic champions? Well, of you course, know, yeah. WBA right. in the lighter weights always has a lot of uh, maybe Asian or, right, you know, yeah. ja- Japanese and those. Are, and then maybe the IBF always has, like, European fighters or, you know, something along those lines. There's a reason for that. There's a reason why the WBC said, hey, guess what we can do? We can have a junior welterweight champion, a welterweight champion, and then something called a super champion. Where did that come from? That came from, guess what we can do? We can get sanctioning fees. Sanctioning so we can fees, charge absolutely. whatever the percentage is for sanctioning fees. And, and, and WBA followed suit. I want to say IBF may be doing that, but I'm not 100% sure. But I do know WBA and WBC does that stuff. It's bad. It's not good for the sport. It, for the fans, it confuses the fans. Belts are irrelevant to me. My dad gave me his WBA championship belt. Really? Son, this is yours. And with that instilled in me, when I see these guys, and I see guys changing belts like they're changing their underwear, when I see this guy's a champ, that guy's a champ, I haven't fought anybody to get it. It's just about who looks the best holding our belt. That's what it's all about. Who's going to make us the most money holding our belt? That kills me as a lover of the sport. That's what kills me. That's the part where right. we need to fix this. We need to have guys fighting each other. Although I don't think Keith Thurman and Sean Porter are the greatest fighters, they are young, they're competitive, they still have yes. that fight. The business hasn't gobbled them up too much to where they avoided each other. They needed to fight each other. And I think, I don't know what the ratings were on that fight, but you need that. You need. Vasily um, Lomachenko, one of my favorite fighters right now. You need him fighting whoever the best guy is in his division. Guillermo Rigondeaux, another one of my favorite fighters. He needs to fight one of the best guys in the division. I want to say his name. Uh, his last name is Ortiz, the southpaw heavyweight from Cuban. He need, They need to figure out a way, put him in the ring with one of these top guys. That guy's pretty good. I like him a lot, and he has a great amateur pedigree. So... They just need to do more of that and, and the prolonged stuff and oh, all of that stuff, man. It just it drains it. It sucks it out from the fans. You know, the WBA, I'm just looking at the rankings here, still has Shannon Briggs as a number six ranked heavyweight in the world. Listen, kudos <laughs> to Shannon Briggs. He worked this thing like a, like a rapper working a mixtape. He, 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 
let's go, champ. You might you might be in the shower one day, and you uh, you might be on the basketball court. You're gonna scream, let's go, champ, just because Shannon Briggs was was you know did this to put himself in the position to get a fight with David Hay. When have we heard of Shannon Briggs in the past eight years in, in, <laughs> exactly. as being a legitimate contender? Exactly. Now, as we move on from the heavyweights here, and again, we got Coach Noy Bramble with us. CardioKings.com is his website. Make sure you check him out there. And uh, Coach, oh, by the way, give the folks your Twitter handle as well. Yes, anybody interested, you can definitely find me at Coach Noy Says, uh, Twitter and Instagram. Um, Snapchat, it's all Coach Noy says because when you work with me, Coach Noy is going to say something and you better do it. <laughs> That's the way it rolls down, man. Coach Noy says. Now let's talk about Canelo Alvarez, Triple G. You know, first off, what do you think about Canelo Alvarez as, as a fighter? I think Canelo Alvarez is all right. Um, I, I think he does things that traditional. Mexican fighters don't do. He, he throws really good combinations, really hard combinations. So to his, so that that's that's really good. He works really hard. He punches hard. Tries to be a really good counter puncher. Um, and again, um, you you want to be the best in the world, and and you don't you don't fight the best. You're fighting uh, Amir Khan. Triple G is the best fighter in the world, and right. at 160 pounds, both of these guys parade. Now let's keep this in mind. We can we can do the history, but Canelo was a hundred and fifty four pounder who fought another hundred and fifty four pounder who's really a hundred and forty seven pounder when he took the title from Cotto. So quote unquote, technically now he's the middleweight champion of the world. You're the middleweight champion of the world who's you're really a hundred and fifty four pounder, but you're moonlighting it as a one sixty pound champion. The 160-pound champion says, hey, I'm here, let's fight. Everybody thinks this guy's the best, and you say, no, I want you to come down. I want you to fight at 158 or 157. That doesn't make sense to me. Right. You're both middleweights. Why, would, why, would, why do you need to do that if you're both middleweights? Very I don't like point. that. That's the part that bothers me. Triple G's getting ready to fight Kell Brook. Why? Kell Brook is why? a 157-pound exactly. fighter. Exactly. For what? You can't find any blown up 154, any halfway decent. So when you see that, I see this is the most money. This fight is not happening in the States. This fight is happening over there. Why? Because it's going to make the most money. Exactly. That's the problem. We're and you salivating know, right. for Cotto and Triple G. We can get that fight today. Whoever loses, they can go, uh, go ahead and fight two and three bums, and we can get another fight two years from now that'll make more money. That's the problem. That's exactly. it right there. Exactly. And um, Dollars and Cents has a question here in the chat room. But before I get to that question, I did want to ask you one thing here. You know, we talked a little bit in our previous conversation a couple of weeks ago, Coach, about MMA. You know, share with the people out there in um, Sports Done Right Nation you know, your thoughts on MMA, uh, do you like it? Do you don't like it? Um, you know, just kind of your general thoughts on the MMA. I respect MMA. I'm not a huge MMA fan. I've gone to some of the live events. I will never disrespect fighters uh, in, in regards of calling that sport, you know, saying something negative about it. I'm just not an MMA fan. 
Uh, if it's on TV, I'll, I'll turn and I'll watch. But for me, I don't get enjoyment. The grappling doesn't, doesn't excite me, you know? Um, right. You know, so I, I, I just, you know, I respect it. There's, there's some guys that are in the lighter weights. I, I think I like the lighter weights more because they're, they're kind of, you know, they're throwing punches. They seem to move a little faster. Yeah, um, that I agree with. Yes. Yeah, you know, so I like the lighter weights. I can definitely like that. Actually, I'll probably, some of the higher, some of the, the top women fights, you know, I'll I probably end up watching some of those. But, you know, your, your Brock Lesnar's who was doing it for a while, uh, you know, I, I watched MMA when you had Tito Ortiz and you had, uh, you know, your, your Tank Abbott's and your Gracie's. Right. Shamrock, you know, those your, guys. Your Shamrock, you know, and, and, and whatever. Maybe I was obviously a lot younger, but I enjoyed it then. What it is right now is not as enjoyable uh, to me. So it's just, you and, know, I, just, you I, know don't, I don't watch the Ultimate Fighter or anything like right. that. Right. And also, you know, last week, you know, speaking for my Minnesota people up here, the former Minnesota Gopher heavyweight Brock Lesnar caught cheating, supposedly again. I guess I have to throw the allegedly out there, but. Uh, the now the thing with that is his drug test that he took on the day of his fight is now the second one that's come up dirty. So, uh, Brock at age thirty nine is probably done with that. Who knows? I'm sure wrestling will probably have him back. But coach, you're right there in Vegas. Have you ever gone and watched any MMA live? Yes, uh, UFC. They just did two hundred. So maybe I think ninety eight. Might have been here in Vegas, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I went to that one. That was my first UFC event. I was actually I was the, one of the boxing trainers at the UFC gym. Um, how ironic is that? Uh, right. But, yeah, so I was able to get tickets, and I went to a show. And, you know, the crowd is different. It's, if you've ever been to a UFC event and a boxing event, it's uh, two different crowds. Um, I don't know if that's a bad thing or a good thing. Right. And, you know, we had pretty good seats. And, you know, it's, it's, it's strike, strike. We're going to be on the ground and people are going to yell. And then, you know, the uh, strike, strike. And then we're going to be on the ground. And, you know, yeah, I, mean, I, hey, man, I've, I, I've been to some really bad boxing. <laughs> yes. I've too. been to some, um, <laughs> some of the undercards. Let me not, let me not say some, all of the man with the cars that I've been to out here, I would say nine out of 10 of them have been pretty bad my personal opinion. Um, some of his undercards, they've been snoozers. I say all that to say, I would rather sit through a bad boxing night than a bad UFC. Night, I, I totally agree with that take. You know, I get into the arguments. I work, you know, with a bunch of young cats that are really into the MMA and that's all they've, you know, they've ever known. And I get that. And I, so when I try and talk boxing and, you know, I should tell them to go to YouTube and look at some of these old classic fights and whatnot, and I and I really tried, like yourself, you know, I've I've tried to watch this stuff, I, I, but it just it doesn't work. Like you said, with heavyweights, there just seems to be a lot of hugging with an occasional move, and then it's over so quick. Um, like you said, I guess if I do have to watch it, the lighter weights are, you know, at least they're more agile, a little more mobile, so that makes it a little more interesting. But for the sports gov, man, it, it just ain't something that's going to rock with me as well, coach. So I definitely agree with you on that. Now, let me ask you a couple other things about some classic fighters from back in the day here. Mike Tyson, um, obviously one of the legends of boxing, comes up, rising star, 
you know, has a fall from grace, um, you know, just as fast as he as he rose up to the top. What did you think about Mike Tyson as a fighter? You know, let's leave kind of the personal stuff out of it for a minute, but just as a pure fighter, the prime Mike Tyson, yeah, and you're and you know you are a trainer. So what did you think of him as you you know maybe look at some of his old fights? You know, as as a, as a kid, man, I was a huge Mike Tyson fan. You know, I liked his style. I liked the way that he came in, and and it was really, you know, kill or be killed. Um, the intimidation factor obviously helped him out tremendously. A lot of people say the, you know, oh, uh, you know, he wouldn't stand with, you know, a young Larry Holmes or, you know, a lot of things like that. And I really can't speak for that era just because I didn't see those guys. But I know in the era of Tyson in his prime, even the tomato cans that he went through, he destroyed them. You know, he didn't have any issues with them. Some of the seasoned guys in there went a couple of rounds with them. I don't think, I mean, like Bone Crusher Smith, who was an established heavyweight, that he right. went to distance with Bone Crusher. Um, and, you know, there were, there were solid guys, and, and Tyson went through them all. You know, it wasn't until later on where, you know, the outside started, you know, taking away right. what was going on inside the ring. But Tyson in his prime, man, he was, he was, hey, what are you doing tonight? We're going to watch a Tyson fight, and yep. we're not leaving until it's over, whether it be in 90 seconds, 50 seconds, whatever it was. That's what it was, and it brought that excitement to the sport. And that, that was something that the sport needed. Yeah, I think he totally saved that heavyweight division, you know, a transitional figure that, you know, helped bridge it to the, you know, after he went down to Holyfields and and Lennox Lewis has kept it going, man. But, you know, as someone who had a cheater box back in the day, coach, you know, I I didn't have to pay one iota for all them Tyson fights. And that box was paid for literally after the first three Tyson fights back in the day. Because I remember we used to, you know, sit there and bitch about $50, you know, obviously today, you know, they're charging triple digits for the big fights. But, Coach, before yeah. we continue on here, and, I'll get, you know, we got a few more minutes here with Coach Noy Bramble. He is the son of former lightweight champion Livingston Bramble. And, man, we've been having a lot of fun, a lot of good boxing talk. But I got to welcome a few people to the chat room who've joined us. First off, ladies first, we got the, you know, I call her the smartest woman in sports who is not on TV or the radio she is known as the lovely Thorny Switch. So what's up, Thorny? Want to welcome you out there. And, of course, we got to get the music queued up. There we go. He is at work tonight, but he's got his ears on. He is everybody's favorite uncle, everybody's favorite man at the party. The chief rocker, Jersey Vern, is joining us as well. So what up, Jersey? Appreciate you stopping by here as well. And our main man, the one and only D. Militante, our one and only Gary G. Money Joiner, host of the Everyday People Show up in here as well. Real Cast Ranger, so I want to give a shout out to the Real Cast Posse as well. All right, Coach. So, uh, again, we're on the back end here with Coach Noy Bramble. I definitely appreciate him coming by. A lot of fun stories, getting a lot of fun feedback already. Um, Coach, as... You know, we talked Canelo Alvarez and, and you know, let's talk Triple G. Let's talk some of these European fighters because, you know, the, the Eastern Bloc countries have really stepped up. You know, Ukraine and the former Yugoslav Republic, Croatia, you know, c- countries like this. And not only do we have uh, Triple G, we also have 
uh, you know, Sergey uh, Crusher uh, Kovalev as well. So Kovalev. what do you think about yep. those guys? I like all of those guys. Um, you know, I, Triple G, personally, and, and I may get some flack for this, to me, I still want to see him fight somebody who's really going to give him some stiff competition. And I don't know how many uh, of those guys are available at 160 pounds. Um, Canelo is probably, obviously, the best maybe at that division. Um, uh, Kovalev, I definitely like Kovalev. I'm really looking forward to see what, um, hopefully, that fight between him and Andre Ward. Uh, oh, God, wouldn't that be something, we can, man. we can see something really good. But, you know, it, it's, it's really simple. Um, usually, usually, and it's probably a saying of, you know, skills and technique overrides talent. I think there's some, you know, saying that that does something like that because when, when talent isn't there, you know, you can fall back on the skills or something along those lines. Um, Klitschko, Kovalev, Triple G, Lomachenko, Rigandau, he's, he's, he's um, Cuban, but the, the, what I'm saying is these guys are being taught the sport of boxing. They're learning how to box, opposed to the flashes in the pan that you may see coming from some of the American fighters. Is that kind that's of like a big problem right now? It, could we say that's kind of like an equivalent? They talk about European basketball players, you know, uh, Manu Ginobili, Tony Parker. You know, they're fundamentally sound, so much better than our players here in the U.S. who are just up and down the court, fast break, you know. To, all that stuff is—is is that kind of the equivalent in boxing? They're being taught more that, of the that's fundamentals. The, that's the best way to do it. That's the best comparison. I mean, you know, it, it, it's 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 right there. You know, you have a lot of people who watch basketball. They, you know, the uh, the AAU was killing basketball, and you know, the one and dones and this dinner. They're not learning skills. I mean, um, the game is changing. The basketball, you know, when you have an, an exceptional athlete like a LeBron you know, who definitely is highly skilled. He has a high basketball IQ, but, you know, you can see where some of the other guys don't. In a team sport, you can get away with some of those things. You can, you can, you can make the adjustments and still win a championship. In boxing, if you run into a guy who's more skilled, if you look at, what was his name, uh, Vasily Lomachenko, he fought a kid, not Earl Spence, Gary Russell. He fought Gary Russell Jr. and Lomachenko outboxed him. Gary Russell was undefeated. I don't think he won a medal, but I know he had either gone to the Olympics or something like that. And that's a perfect example of two right. young fighters essentially on the same level, but one guy is just way more skilled than the other guy because he's been taught the art of boxing. He's been taught how to do it. Um, and it's just it's kind of sad what they're doing right now when it comes to the way they're teaching the sport. This is a podcast. This and, is a whoops. And um, coach got a question for you as a, as now put your trainer hat on. If you could have any one of these fighters, kind of the star of your, uh, of your posse, your boxing uh, fighters there, if you could pick one fighter or, or two that you would really like to get with as a trainer, who would those fighters be? If I could get with somebody right now, it would be Vasily Lomachenko. Um, he would probably be the number one guy that I chose 
if I was going to go number And what what weight class is he? Just to share with the folks out there in the in you know chat world and whatnot who may not be familiar with him. Vasily Lomachenko is I want to say he's featherweight. I'm I'm I hopefully somebody doesn't say I don't know what I'm talking about, but I want to say he's featherweight. Junior, I'm looking at right now junior lightweight. So um that would be 130 pounds, 126 pounds in that in that category. Um, he's just a, a phenomenal fighter, man. I really respect what he does in the ring. I really like the way the angles that he takes. I respect the boxers. I respect the guys who can still come in and put on a good show with throw punches who aren't necessarily going to put you to sleep in a sense. Um, so right. he would definitely be one. Um, I don't know who else I really like, man. I'm I'm a hard critic when it comes to this. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it. Um, I'm, I'm, there's a lot of guys who are okay. Uh, you know, there's just a lot of people look okay to me. Nobody really. Well, let me ask you about a super. Uh, well, let me ask you, Coach, here. And again, folks, this is Sports Done Right here on the Stewart Media and Entertainment Network. I am Vince Wright, the sports governor from the great state of Minnesota. And, you know, one thing I wanted to ask you in the super lightweight junior welterweight division, whatever they're going by nowadays. This is the 140-pound weight class. You know, give me your thoughts on WBO champion Terrence Crawford. You know, he's a fighter. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think about him? Oh, man. Um, I like Terrence Crawford. I will say that uh, I'm laughing because one of my closest friends has been telling me about Terrence Crawford, and I will not give Terrence Crawford a C. I won't give him that Coach Noise stamp right now. I mean, obviously he doesn't need it, but personally, I think he gets hit a little too much for my liking. Right. But it's because he's uh, he'll take the risk. He gambles a little bit, and he beat a very small. Uh, undisciplined fighter when his, his, his star was really, you know, kind of shot up when he fought um, the other Cuban fighter. I'm drawing a blank on his name. That was one of Terrence Crawford's big wins. Um, I want to see what Terrence Crawford has. I'm trying to figure out the direction that they're going with him. Are they lining him up for something big? Are they kind of keeping him in a holding chamber? He, he can fight right-handed. He can fight southpaw. Right. He does have skill. He does have a mind in that ring. So I appreciate those things, and I like those things. But recently, over the past two fights, I've just seen him take one too many shots. Not like he's going to get knocked out. This is just me being very critical that I didn't like. When I see you taking those type of shots, it, it makes me wonder if you're in there with someone a little bit more seasoned, a little bit more... Uh, skilled, right. what are you going to do in those situations? Exactly. Now, um, again, folks, we got Coach Noy Bramble on the line. CardioKings.com is the website, so make sure you check him out there. And hopefully he'll be doing some things down at the Doug Stewart uh, weekend, that September 9th through 11th down in the ATL. Double Tree Hotel over in Buckhead, the same spot as last year, a very nice hotel, so I can't wait to get down there. Now, Coach, we were talking um, a couple weeks ago, and we got a few more minutes here with the coach, about you had obviously hanging out with your famous father and coming up in the boxing game. Now, I think you shared a story about being in the, uh, being in the gym with Larry Holmes. Can you share that with my fans? Just oh, know, yeah, around man. Him? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to tell you all this, man. Everybody listen, understand this. 
as a kid, I could not stand Larry Holmes. I hated Larry Holmes with every fiber in my body, and I must have been Why was that? Of... <laughs> okay, so quick story. Larry Holmes would be upstairs in his office area, um, and you know he would be up there. Everybody else would train, and then when he was getting ready to come down as far, so like that, everybody would kind of like disperse, so to speak. So my dad is in there training. I'm hitting the, the heavy bag, and you know I'm I'm training. I'm still looking at everybody. Da 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 da. And uh, Larry Holmes walks past me, and he says, "This is how you throw your jab." Now at that time. I'm like, okay, I know you're Larry Holmes, but I've never seen any of your fights. It's just like, oh, you're Larry Holmes. I see the belt, whatever. I'm a kid. I don't know what's <laughs> right, going on. Right. And he's showing me how to throw a jab. And I say, no, my dad shows me to throw a jab like this. So this is what I said to Larry Holmes. He said, sit your ass down. And from that day forth, he could have been playing. <laughs> he could have been, you know, joking. But from that day forth, I've never liked Larry Holmes. And that, that's it right there. I've never liked him. As a kid going to that gym, I didn't like looking at him. He had this scrawl (laughs) on his face. I said, get out of here. Right, right. And obviously, in in, my opinion, the greatest uh, jab thrower in heavyweight history. Yeah, exactly. You know, so yeah, it's funny that you actually like, nah, champ, to go away. My dad's got this covered. So yeah, that's yeah. funny, man. And um, you know, Larry Holmes, you know, my my dad's from Pennsylvania. He's out there listening tonight. So, you know, out there and you know, I think it was um guy was it East in Pennsylvania, um yep. where where the champ comes from. You know, besides that, you know, hey, what were you doing in the gym? Was your dad training with some fighters? How how did you even wind up up in uh his camp? Yeah, man, like I said, my dad always where my dad went, I went. So he was okay. training. Um, if it wasn't for a particular fight, it may have just been, you know, just him training because we used to live in Pennsylvania. I've lived in East Stroudsburg and I've lived in Marshall Creek. So, you know, I lived okay. in Pennsylvania for some time and we would make the drive to Easton. And, um, you know, so that's how that, we were there. You know, that was the gym that he went to for, you know, a, a long period of time while we were in Pennsylvania. That was the gym. Right. Now, I, now, the, did you ever have any run-ins with Roberto Duran? No, but my dad tells me Roberto Duran, he's one of Roberto Duran's biggest fans, um, and I believe Roberto Duran has a son named Bramble who's named after my father, and I'm almost wow. 100% sure. I have to double-check that, but that's what my dad told me, so I'm going to take him at his word. I think they had a, a WBC convention out here last year, when he, um, they were hanging out, and I was so angry because I think I was tied up in the gym or something like that. And I just, <laughs> okay. Whatever it was, I couldn't get there, and I've always wanted to meet the Ram because my dad speaks so highly of him. They got a good relationship. That's good to hear, and the reason I ask, because I see on Facebook, it's kind of been going around, there's a new Roberto Duran biography movie coming out, and I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, Usher plays Sugar Ray Leonard, if you can believe this one. Yeah, I, I've seen the preview to that, man. I'm I'm definitely going to check that out because I want to see how they're going to pull this off. Yeah I, yeah, I am very interested to see how they do the fight scenes. You know, obviously, I'm a, I'm a kid of, of the Rocky era, and anything from those could be, you know, much better. But, you know, I am very interested to see Usher play Sugar Ray Leonard, one of my favorite fighters growing up as a kid and to see how they actually choreograph these fight scenes. 
Yeah, that's going to be fun. Um, Usher definitely got the dance moves, so the footwork, hopefully you would think that he would be able to pick it up and just just make it look good. I just I, I hope they put the time into actually, you know, getting him to a point where he knows how to throw the punches. You know, that, that'd be the, the main thing. Exactly. And, you know, finishing up here with Coach Noy, just a couple more questions for you, Coach, and we'll let you get on with with your life. We we appreciate, you know, you taking some time and would definitely love to get you back down the road. There's so much to talk about with this great sport that we both love so much. So, you know, I do appreciate you taking time to hang out with us tonight. Now, Coach, let me ask you this, my man. Tell the folks you know, when you're not in the gym, when you're not, you know, in your trainer mode and boxing training and all that, you know, what are you doing? Do you have a family? Are you married? You, you know, you got a girlfriend? What, you know, when you're away from the fight scene, what's life like for you? What's life like for Coach Noy? Uh, I spend so much time in the gym and thinking about the gym. It's almost like, okay, let me ask myself that question. What are we doing when we're not in the gym? Um, <laughs> but I, I have... I have two children, um, and they, uh, they pretty much mean the world to me. Um, one of the main reasons why I started doing what I started doing is obviously to be able to provide for them and give them, you know, things that I didn't necessarily have or, of course, you know, so. um, be able to, to show them some of the things that I was able to see. Uh, I traveled around the world at a very young age. Um, I was, you know, in Australia for the Custer Zoo fight. I've been up and down the East Coast. I've been in hotels, me and family members running down the halls. And, you know, we're we're in, you know, the Trump Taj Mahal as 12 and 13-year-olds running around on the boardwalk. And my dad is upstairs sleeping. And, you know, I don't necessarily want to do that for my kids. But I guess what I say that to say, you know, I want them to see some of the things that I saw. Um, you know, I still work a full-time job in addition to oh, wow. being in the gym. You know, so it's it's uh, one of the things that my dad taught me without teaching me is just dedication and determination and uh, going yeah, after what you want and what you believe in and, and fight for what you want. And that's, you know, that's what I've been doing. So when it comes to that, man, um, you know, um, that's what I do. And, and, and I, I honestly, I do it for the kids. I definitely want to see them. You know, I want to have something to give to them. I don't want to get them to a point where, Things are handed to them, but right. the way that things are going, I want them to not have to ever ask anybody for a job. They're still going to work, but they're not going to have to ask for a job. Hopefully all the work that I'm putting in, they can find a role in this business, in this right. industry, and create something and go past wherever it is that I'm going to take it. How old are the kids? I have a two-year-old and I have a 13-year-old. Boys, girl, both? Two girls, two girls. Oh, man. yeah, two girls. fun, fun coming your way in about <laughs> 10 years, homeboy. Yeah, man, I'm, go I'm going through it right now. Um, I think the boys in my area have realized who I am um, <laughs> yeah. because I don't really see too many people around. Um, and, uh, you know, those are, those, are, those are my girls, man. And, and, and um, you know, just like any other father, um, there's certain things that are going to be okay and there's certain things that's not. And, you know, all, all fathers were once 13 and 14 year old boys. So, you oh, know, yes. certain things is not going to fly. No, I hear you, man. Now coach, before I get you out of here, just a couple quick more questions. Let me ask you this. How is your dad 
as a grandpa? How do, how does he get along with them two little granddaughters? Man, this guy, um, <laughs> some of the things that I see him allow, I'm just sitting back wondering, like, okay, well, who is this guy? That's not who I know. <laughs> You know, it's amazing I, I what a grandkid can do. It works when you get to that age and you you know you're the grandkids, but man, <laughs> exactly. You no, know, he's because... um he, he he's great with a man. He loves his grandchildren. You know he he's 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 always been a family guy. I mean, my father has five kids, me included in that five, and um, right now he has one, two, three, four grandchildren. If I'm not mistaken, yeah, one, okay. two, four. Um, and you know, he loves them. My dad, my dad is a big kid at heart anyway. So, you know, that's, uh, he can, he can run around with him all day. And, and, you know, my, my youngest daughter, she, she loves her grandfather. You know, she, she does stuff with him and she doesn't do with me. And, you know, she had, they have their own special report and I love that, you know, to be able to see that, that's, that's really good. That's cool, man. Now, um, Jungle Brother wanted me to ask you a, qu- a quick question before we get you out of here. Um, he says, Gov, ask Coach about Ali, Hagler, and Hearns. Now, we kind of touched on Ali a little bit, but talk about kind of how you feel about those fighters and, you know, if your father had anything to say about those three fighters. I'll tell you one thing. My father had beef with Marvel Hagler for a long time. <clears throat> Why? Because he said... Uh, the best chance that Bramble has to win this fight is if he doesn't show up or if Mancini wow. doesn't show up. So they passed it up. They're okay now. Um, personally, Ali was before my time, but to go back and see some of the things that he was doing, um, not even talking about outside of boxing, just sticking with the boxing, right. tremendous. Tremendous athlete, tremendous shape. There's things you have to be in shape in order to do some of the things that he did. You can't be, and I think I don't think people today, as far as boxers, realize you have to want it. You have to put in the extra time. This thing is not given to you. The only thing given to you is your name. Everything else you have to fight to get. It's the only thing. And um, you know, guys like Hearns, guys like Hagler, who they were just they were men. They were ready to fight. You know, and right. that's what I that's what I miss. Even that era is slightly before me as far as being at that age where you're understanding boxing and you're kind of knowing what's going on. But just going back and looking at it, what I respect is the determination. You are not going to beat me. I don't care what you do, you're not going to beat me. That's what Marvin Hagner went into the ring. That's what Tommy Hearns went into the ring with. You know, some guys are better at this, some guys are better at that. Um, you know, just as far as their approach and their attack, but that mentality, that's what I get from those people. That mental toughness of, uh, you know, this is my fight and I'm going to win. That's what I respect the most about any of those great fighters, any and all of them. Right on. And again, folks, we're finishing up with Coach Noy Bramble out of Las Vegas, Nevada, Las Wages out there in the desert. And, Coach, I'm going to definitely have to take you up on a little workout when I get out there to visit my boys out in Henderson, man. You know what you can do, man? Anybody listening, um, and, I, and I'm, as, as Vince alluded to earlier, I'm a real guy. What I mean by that is yep. I have bad eating habits just like the next person. Um, I'm, I'm, 
I don't want anybody ever to feel like, oh, I you know, don't want to eat something in front of me or I'm, I'm not that type of guy at all. I've never been that way. I will never be that type of coach. Um, but if they're you yourself, you know, get on Skype. Hit me up. You know, Coach Noise, I think it's what Coach Noise says on Skype as well. Or, you know, just get in contact with me. If you want, if you say, hey, this is my form. What do you think about this? This is how I throw my punch. What do you think about this? Get in contact with me. I got a lot of information in my head. Um, I can't, I, I could never get enough of giving this information to someone. You know, I can't keep right. it all for myself. It does me no good if I keep it all for myself. So um, I'm very accessible. You can definitely get in contact with me and um, we can get it done. Sounds good. And coach, let me ask you real quick again. You're a boxing trainer. Before we get out of here, man, Give me maybe one or two of either your favorite trainers or maybe your top trainers in the in the boxing game. And that doesn't have to be from today. That can be going back from whenever. But the guy that stick out to me, obviously, was Emmanuel Stewart. I think Emmanuel Stewart, when you look at taking a guy from the amateur ranks to a world title, that's a lot of work. It's a lot of dedication. That's a lot of time. And, and, and having a stable of solid fighters, Georgie Benton, who was working with the, the, the Lou Duva camp. Um, he was right. in the camp with my dad. Um, really good, really good trainer. Tommy Parks, um, another, yes. another yes. good trainer. Um, also worked with my father. Um, Eddie and, Futch, tremendous trainer. Oh, yeah, the, the late great Eddie Futch. Um, Tommy you Parks, know, who, um, by the way, folks, trained the Vander Holyfield in his win over Mike Tyson. So just so you kind of know who we're talking about there. Don Turner. Don Turner is Don another Turner one. Don Turner was another athlete. one in that corner, yep. He was in that camp. Um, just, you know, some guys who all these people I mentioned to me, they were all teachers of the sport. They, 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 those were the gatekeepers. And, and we've touched on this before, but, you know, everybody listening, when you're talking about boxing, just think about who's teaching the sport right now. And then think about who was teaching it before that. What tree did they come from? Did they come from the Belichick tree, or did you know, in in, in football terms, are they coming from the the Belichick tree? Uh, oh, Greg, I love from that. The, the, I'm sorry. No, I was just saying our our Boston fan, Grego, would love that comparison. Yeah, you know, it, you have to look at those things when you're looking at the trainers, and then you say, okay, well, well, maybe this is one of the reasons why the United States hasn't won a gold medal. Or maybe this is one of the reasons why some of the European fighters are better than some of the fighters that we have here. The tree of which these guys are coming from, um, that, that has changed boxing so much. We don't have those guys anymore. Emmanuel is gone. Eddie Fletcher is gone. Don Turner, I'm not sure how active he is right now. That's what boxing is missing. We're missing those caliber trainers. Because, you know, outside of, you know, the present day scene, you know, who do we got out there? I mean, really, who do we got? Your guess is good as mine, man. Freddie Roach is the Freddie guy Roach. from the trainers. He's been doing his thing for a while. Um, you got the Robert Garcia, but if you look, a lot of his fighters over the past couple of years have been getting beat up and they've been coming to the ring overweight. What does that tell you? Your fighters, yeah, exactly. You've had three and four fighters all come, come in overweight. What is that about? And disrespect to the sport. It is. And, Coach, also I've noticed here recently over the past few years, you have a lot of uncles and fathers who are also training their kids. You know, um, uh, oh, God, who was it? Uh, 
fought um, or Timothy Bradley. You know, his father trained him. They recently had a falling out. You know, he went, and I forgot who he had for his last fight, but I've just noticed Teddy that Atlas. over the he past years. He had Teddy years. Atlas. Okay, he had Teddy, Teddy Atlas, Atlas yeah. for his last two fights. Um, the father-son thing, you know, Lemonchenko's father trains him. That, that's always going to be in the sport, but it's always, it's, it's very rarely do you find one that works, and if it works, it doesn't work for a long time. Shane Mosley's dad trained him, Jack Mosley trained him for a very right, long yep. time, and then after a certain point in time, it didn't work anymore. Exactly. Um, you're always going to get those things, but... One of the things that my dad always told me, he said, son, in this sport of boxing, if you continue to do this and if it's something that you do at a certain point in time in your career, I'm going to have to walk away if I want you to get to the next level. And I don't think fathers uh, realize that. You know, Some of these right. people in, in football terminology, if they could train their son in, from pot water to the pros, they probably would. But you realize... I need to put him in better hands with somebody who knows this a little bit better to where I can somewhat be a fan and not be a critic. And, and, and you know, that's, that's one of the things that doesn't work when you have the father and son uh, trainer-fighter relationship. Hey, very well said, my man. You know, Coach, again, I want to thank you so much for joining us um, here on Sports Done Right on the Stewart Media and Entertainment Network. I mean, you know, obviously as a boxing fan, like I said, I could sit here, bend your ear for hours, man. But, Coach, we would love to have you back in the future. And, again, uh, we talked about having – uh, Livingston Bramble, uh, coach's father, come on here um, somewhere down the line in the future, maybe around the time one of these big fights, if they ever get signed. So that's something we can look out for. And obviously, coach, you're our uh, our main boxing guru here. So um, we appreciate you taking the time, man, and would love to hit you up in the future, especially to discuss some of these fights as they do pop off. It was definitely a pleasure, you know, meeting you and, you know, chatting with people in the chat room and whatnot. Um, I had a great time. I look forward to being back. I look forward to bringing my dad back, um, you know, getting him on here so you can get some of those questions answered that, you know, I wasn't able to answer. Sure. And, um, you know, it was fun, man. I, I appreciate it. And thank you. Thank you for everybody who's, you know, asked questions and, and you know, good comments, bad comments. Um, it, it's all fun, man. I, I'm a happy person. I'm happy to be here, and I'm happy to, when we get a chance to do it again. Hey, and I appreciate that, and I think that that's what's going to come off in this interview, man. You know, a, a lot of kids of, of any famous athletes, let alone boxers, you know, they could be a little temperamental. So I, I, I just appreciate you being, like you said, a real dude, honest. You know, you're willing to take a look at the good side of your father's record, um, you know, later on when he wasn't winning as much. And I just appreciate the honesty because what you did tonight, man, was really kind of pull that curtain back on one of the sports that I grew up absolutely loving, Coach. So, again, thank you very much. And, Coach, before you leave, I just wanted to read a couple of comments here in the, in the chat room, which you could probably see. Um, Thorny Switch says, great interview, great guest. Um, you saw my mom giving you props a little earlier, wishing you nothing but the best. And, you know, I think people are really going to start following you. Folks, if you're in the Vegas area, make sure you get down here and do some workouts with the coach. And, Noy, again, man, thank you so much. I wish you the very best, and I cannot wait till we cross paths, uh, hopefully in September in person, and maybe we could do a little quick little interview in person there, add a little video to it. I would love to, man. I, everybody that, that, that enjoyed it, um, 
I'm going to get to Atlanta. It's going to happen. You just got to make sure everything works out, but I'm really, really looking forward to coming there and not only, you know, teaching the class is secondary, meeting you, meeting some of the people in the chat room. Yeah. Um, that's, that, that's going to be amazing, man. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. You know, like I said, I went down last year with my wife and, you know, got to meet Grego and everybody in these chat rooms, Jersey, Vern, you know, that ninja, everybody, man. It will definitely be worth your trip, Coach, if you can make it, man. We're going to look for We're going gonna to make it happen, man. Let's, let's make it happen. Everybody in the chat room, let's bring Coach Lloyd to Atlanta. It's going to happen. <laughs> All right, there we go. Go fund me time, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Coach, we're going to let you get out of here, man, so you can enjoy the rest of the evening with your wonderful family. Uh, we will be in touch, man. And, again, this has been a great interview, and thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me, man. Until we meet again, I will talk to you soon. Have a great day. Have a good weekend. And um, that's it. All right, man. Have a good time out there and a good evening out there in the desert tonight. All right, man. Take some of this heat, too. <laughs> hey man minnesota we got a heat index of 105 coming tomorrow man so we already feel it see we get the humidity up here so you got that yeah, dry heat down the there yeah, absolutely I'll take one thing dry you can take one or whatever wet and then we can do it like that <laughs> <laughs> all right my man you have a good night all right man you too okay peace ladies and gentlemen get up out your seats coach noy bramble Bringing the heat, man. That was a very, very good. Uh, I, I'm glad he was able to come through. He, as you got in that interview, he is a lot of fun to talk to. He is an open book. He talks about the good and bad in boxing. He talks about the good and bad with his father's career. And man, I, I was so glad that he accepted the invitation to come on Sports Done Right. He's definitely going to be back, as you heard. We'll probably have him on uh, the Sports and More show at times. We'll have him here discussing upcoming boxing matches and i can't wait so again thank you guys so much for joining me now let's do this we're going to take just a very quick break there are a couple of real quick sports stories i want to hit on here in the last eight minutes of sports done right here on the steward media and entertainment network so hang in there come on back in a few seconds and we'll finish the show it's beach body season. So if you're looking to get that beach body, there's still time with IASOT. The IASOT is a unique blend of nine all natural herbs. Just eight ounces of tea twice daily can provide you with dramatic results and have you beach ready in no time. Place your order today at www.totallifechanges.com forward slash tea team. That's www.totallifechanges.com forward slash T E A T E A M or call. 678-250-5839 that's 678-250-5839 start working on your beach body today the number one chief rocket jersey firm lonely hearts cafe spicy conversations it's vince wright the sports governor from minnesota man jelly young Microwave! Reggie Long, a.k.a. Dollars and Cents. Kicking it with you. Let's go, give it to you. Unconquered, unbound.
All right, folks, we are back. Sports done right. And we are finishing up here on the Stewart Media and Entertainment Network. Again, shout out to Coach Noy Bramble. Make sure you check him out. CardioKings.com is the website. And again, thank you so much, Coach. So a couple sports stories I did want to hit on for us Minnesota fans here. Definitely wanted to give a shout out to our main man, Tyus Jones. And he led, once Chris Dunn went down with that concussion, he led the Minnesota Timberwolves Summer League team to the championship game. And he was named the Summer's Tournament's MVP. So congrats to Tyus. Doing your thing. Watch out for these T-Wolves, baby. Tyus Jones. Other members of the first team included D'Angelo Russell from the Lakers, Ben Simmons from the 76ers, Bobby Portis from the Bulls, and Allen Williams from the Phoenix Suns. Tyus Jones averaged just under 24 points a game. He averaged over eight assists. He hit 47% from the field and 38% from the three-point line. As well, other Timberwolves news for my Minnesota peeps out there. The Timberwolves deny Rubio trade rumors. So look for Mr. Rubio to be sticking around here this year for the Timberwolves. Big Twins news. Minnesota Twins fire general manager Terry Ryan. He's been with the team for over 30 years. And we'll get into all of this news a little bit more in depth next week. But I really want to touch on this. I think this was a much-needed move by our Minnesota Twins. The Twins really need someone from outside the organization to come in here and really help get this thing turned around so we can get back to having some playoff contending teams here in the Twin Cities to watch. Uh, Oh, also, if you didn't know, remember that ex-St. Louis Cardinal uh, worker who hacked into the Houston Astros personal database there? Well, he's been sentenced to four years, 46 months in jail. And former St. Louis Cardinals, uh, this is from USA Today, scouting director Chris Correa was sentenced to nearly four years in prison after hacking in to the Houston Astros computer personal database. U.S. Judge Lynn Hughes levied the 46-month sentence and ordered the hacker to pay $279,000 in restitution on Monday from the federal courthouse in Houston. He was also sentenced to two years of supervised release when he is released from prison. So there you go there. That was an interesting little story. And also we found out real quick here. I just wanted to get on this Republican convention, this Trump thing, the Melania speech. You know, just as it couldn't go any worse for the opening night of your convention, the Republican Party is in total disarray. I'm going to touch on this a little bit next week as the Gov puts on his gov hat and goes a little more political next week. But let me say this. Now, I'm not usually a conspiracy ninja, so to speak. I am a little bit with Trump because I think that Donald Trump has never, ever wanted to be president of the United States. I think he got in initially just to to do it, have some fun with it, maybe get the brand out there. And, you know, I, I think it, the train ran away on him. People started agreeing with him. And so I think some of this stuff he's probably been saying to try and get out of running and being the Republican nominee, as crazy as that. I know it sounds, but I mean, I think Donald Trump is just crazy enough to want to do this, man. And who knows? It could be a hit job on the from the outside on the Republican Party. 
he may be a, a Hillary supporter. Who knows? But anyway, man, Donald Trump is really a fool. <laughs> and the Republicans really, really look goofy right now. And whoever wrote that lady's speech should have been fired two minutes before they went on stage. In the age of the internet, as uh, college kids say, there's an app for this where you can actually submit papers and speeches and and it will check for any type of perjury or perjury, listen to me, um, any type of, you know, copying or anything like that, um, any type of plagiarism. So, you know, this is really beyond um, the norm. Grego says Trump got into it for the competition and now he's in too deep. Exactly. That's my point. And he I think he's been saying, look, OK, I'll go out here. I'll talk about black people. Oh, crap. That didn't work. You know what? I'm going to go out here and say we're going to build the wall and let the Mexicans pay for it. Now to get me out. People think I'm crazy. Oh, crap. They're still voting for me. You know what? I'm going to go out here and I'm going to say we ain't going to let any Muslims in the joint, man. No Muslims allowed. I'm still getting more votes. Man, let me go out here and, you know, do this, do that. Nothing's working and he's in too deep and he's where he's at. That's the conspiracy theory from the gov Vince Wright. But outside of that, a real disappointing start for on the convention. The first night is supposed to be the most boring. They started off with the revolt over a roll call and it just got more interesting from there. Trump's wife comes out and, you know, delivers this speech, which is totally plagiarized. And then they come out today with a little BS response, talking about some little, my little pony quote. So anyway, folks, we're going to have lots of fun to talk about next week, but I'm going to get on out of here for tonight. Again, thank you very much uh, for joining us here. Sports done right on the Stewart media and entertainment network. I am Vince, Wright. Make sure you follow your sports governor of Minnesota at the big smooth one. Make sure you are following Sports Done Right on Facebook. That's W-R-I-G-H-T. And again, I'm, I, I know I really didn't do a lot of props here for the chat room. I want to thank everybody for hanging out with me tonight. I know we started a little late. So again, thank you for joining us for the uh, different time. Thank you to my mom, Dollars and Cents, the lovely Thorny Switch. The ever-popular Grego joined us in here. We got my main man, the godfather of the podcast, Jungle Brother. Uh, who else do we have up in here tonight? Oh, Busa, Busa Bus up in the house. John Fisher, Patty Cake, Patty Cake Microwave. And everybody else, if, I, if I'm forgetting you, please do not hold it against me. Gary G. Money Joiner, just as I said that. And again, thank you to our very special guest, Coach Noy Bramble out of Las Vegas, Nevada. CardioKings.com. Make sure you're checking him out as well. So again, folks, from the great state of Minnesota, definitely, definitely want to thank you for joining me tonight and make sure you guys be safe out there and make sure you join me and Reggie Thursday on the Sports and More show. And what can I say? I just appreciated all the support, man. Vince Wright, thank you for listening. I am out. Unconquered. Unbound, undefeated. You finally got it right. Sports done right. Check us out right here on Spreaker every Tuesday night with your host, the big smooth Vince Wright. You can keep up with all the latest breaking sports news and commentary by joining the Sports Done Right group chat on Facebook. It's about time you got your sports done right.